This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, everyone. Let's start with the big story of the day, and that's the latest uh, US CPI numbers and the rate of price growth in the United States has dropped to its slowest pace in more than two years. Inflation rising 3% in the year to June. That is uh, down from 4% in May and very much sharply from a peak of 9% uh, last year in June. So what is the market reaction to this news? I know there's plenty of other stuff going on as well, Nick, but uh, these figures are very good news, aren't they? They definitely are. And I would say that uh, today's numbers in terms of across the board between headline and core, uh, both falling, this is probably the closest uh, to a home run that uh, market participants could have hoped for for this sort of day. In terms of uh, equities bulls, you know, we're seeing the NASDAQ up a lot today. Uh, SPY is falling, of course, with that. Um, but, you know, notably, NAS leading the charge, and, and that is usually um, sort of indicative of, of, you know, a lot of risk on as tech. Is, is heavily made up, uh, made up uh, of that uh, index. So what's interesting here is that it is a, a heavy hitting day for the bulls. Um, <clears throat> and to flip it around, a, a terrible day if you're a dollar bull, because again, the last, I guess, stronghold for dollar bulls has been this stubborn, unmoving core CPI. And so yes, inflation came down, headline CPI year over year came down to 3%. And again, that's, uh, that's a good print. Uh, it beat the expectations there. But I think what the market uh, really was was impressed by, and what really caused um, you know those indices to to really rocket today was the core uh, giving some ground back, and that seems to be uh, at least the story, the real big hit for the inflation number that we got today. Again, sometimes you get these uh, inflation numbers or these CPI reports or NFP reports. We talk about this often about how these you know things that we're on a, a continuous cycle talking about, right? CPI, NFP, you know, Fed meetings and that sort of thing. We talk about them over and over on the podcast. Well, sometimes people are more or less confused by them because sometimes there's conflicting stuff. Like in past CPIs, we've had core staying stubborn, but headline dropping. And so you did get reactions. But today is a pretty good example for newer investors, newer traders out there. This is the sort of day that's just a um, universal across the board clean sweep for equities bulls and dollar bears. Um, And again, the reason I, I point that out is because it is a very confusing topic if you're newer to this stuff to understand why you know good news can move the market or not. Today is a good example of when everything moves in the same direction, when you get a real strong print across the board, it causes huge candles one way or the other. Um, so that's kind of what we're seeing here. We're seeing a lot of dollar weakness. Uh, and this is dollar weakness on dollar weakness because we've been down for the last few days. So this is a big push lower. Um, and you know, again, dollar outlook, in my opinion, looks uh, really, really weak. Uh, I'd love to see, Craig, what you think about this, because I don't want to, I could I could ramble for a long time on this topic by myself, but I want to get your take on, uh, I, I guess, maybe dollar, but also just a little bit of how this may reflect on other currencies. I know we had some New Zealand news, that sort of thing. So currency world, dollars down. What, what's your take on this situation and maybe just reaction to the to the CPI numbers today? I think these numbers were were huge. I know you you want to try and take it rationally and calmly, but actually I think you've underplayed it, if anything, in in that I do think this is a massive report. It's only a small beat. We can't ignore that fact, 0.1% on the headline, 0.2% on the core. 
But as you've just said, the fact that they've both moved in the same direction is huge. It kind of reminds me of the Eurozone numbers six weeks ago uh, when the core and the headline both fell and people got very, very excited about this idea that we were finally seeing some alignment between core and headline inflation and in the direction that we actually want to see it go. It feels like the first real step in the right direction, even though inflation in the US has fallen quite considerably now from its highs, this feels like the first big step towards uh, uh, towards price stability, towards the end of the tightening cycle. Uh, and this is something that can enable the Fed to actually do that after this month's meeting. What this number doesn't do is change this month's meeting for me. And I think the markets broadly seem to agree in that had we had a better jobs report on Friday, the debate would be a bit more open. But instead on Friday, what we got was we still got north of 200,000 jobs created just because that was much less than the ADP number, which kind of scared a few people. It doesn't mean that it's a particularly good number. We also had that strong wage growth number at 0.4% month on month. And I think that put an end to the debate for the Fed July meeting, regardless of today. I think today we needed to see something outrageous uh, for July to be open meeting. And we needed to see almost like 4% core, not not just shy of 5 But today was a massive step in the right direction. I think it effectively means that we've got one more rate hiking done, um, unless we see a shocking twist in the other direction. Uh, as, you, as you've alluded to, this... this this number has had a big impact on the markets because the two unified, and I think that's really important. If we'd have seen a big move on the headline, but not the core, I don't think we'd have seen anything near. Even if we'd seen a half a percentage point on the headline, if the core hadn't confirmed it, I don't think we'd have seen anything near the move that we've seen in the markets. And as you say, it, it, it really is across the board. It's like that kind of rare occasion where everyone's in agreement. Um, last week, we were talking about the fact that after the jobs report, Equity markets moved one way, bond markets moved the other way. You've got the optimist versus the pessimist. Today, everyone's an optimist. That's great to see. We've seen uh, equities make a step a step higher. We've seen the dollar take a step back. Yields are drifting lower. Gold is moving higher. Oil is moving higher. Uh, this really is a, a big uh, a big move. And it's not just about the Fed as well. We've talked about this for a while. They all have their own unique issues. The UK has its own unique issues. Europe has its own unique issues. The US has its own unique issues. But at the same time, they're all fighting the same fight. So when you see one making a big step in the right direction, I do think there is ripple effects in terms of people's psychology and what that means for the central banks. And this feels like a big step forward for all. This feels like I can imagine all the central bankers are looking at this inflation report and going, this could be coming for us as well. This could. This is the, this report that we've been waiting eighteen months for. This positive report after setback after setback after setback. Maybe ours is around the corner as well. And especially if you're the Bank of England, you've seen Europe have this report. You've now seen the US have this report. The UK seems to have been leapfrogged <laughs> in that. But maybe the Bank of England's looking at this saying, "Our oh, good report is now." Surely, just around the corner. So I think there's going to be a lot of positivity to come on the back of this and. The RBNZ, as you mentioned overnight, they they paused their tightening cycle. It's the first pause in almost two years. I think they started raising rates in August of 2021. So this was a big landmark moment as well. They've raised rates more aggressively than other any other major central bank around the world. They've had a bigger inflation problem than any other central bank around the world, but they do think they're now on the right path. They alluded to the fact that they see core inflation or they see inflation falling back within its 1% to 3% target later on next year. There's been two big reasons for that. One has been uh, the, the rate hikes. It has constrained activity. It's constrained spending. Unemployment has ticked higher. But also the other thing, and I think this one's huge, 
immigration has, uh, has, has, has risen considerably again. New Zealand was always a country that was reliant on immigration in terms of labour and during the COVID pandemic when they did close their borders, that obviously meant we saw a massive decline in immigration numbers and that in, that really tightened the labour market. We've seen it to a much, much, much lesser extent here in the UK uh, with Brexit um, having an impact on, on flows uh, of, Im- of Im- immigration. And I think that's compounded the tightness that we've seen in the labour market. Uh, we've seen that ramp up immensely now from outside of Europe, which is you, we're now seeing those pressures unfold. We saw unemployment the other day jump from 4.8 to 5%. That was on, in part due to uh, to that. And now New Zealand is seeing those benefits as well. So they've paused their tightening cycle. It looks like that's now also at an end. We finally seem to be turning a corner, I guess is what I'm saying. Everyone except the UK finally seems to be turning uh, a corner. Hopefully we are next on the list, last on the list, but next. Um, But really positive signs. And I think the US inflation data today really did just underline that. Going back to what you were saying about the ripple effect, and I'm trying to find some optimism, uh, despite what you just said about the UK there, uh, Craig, but going back to that ripple effect, you know, the old cliche, when America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. This is almost the reverse. We we are trying to take the positives out of what is happening in the United States. My only concern about this side of the Atlantic, not necessarily even Europe, but here in the UK, the effect of Brexit and all the other very specific issues that we have here may delay the recovery even further. So Brexit, I think, had a big impact earlier on, um, especially with regards, like I say, to immigration numbers, the flow of uh, the flow of people, uh, workers, I think there was uh, a contributory uh, impact on that. But we've seen a, a massive increase in in immigration from outside of the EU uh, more recently. I think our immigration numbers now monthly are much higher than they were uh, prior to leaving the European Union. Uh, so I do think that is kind of being addressed. And we're also seeing people return to the labour force uh, who were retired. Uh, I think we're going to maybe see more from long-term sick once the backlog is in the NHS uh, are, are are resolved uh, as well very gradually and that's why we've seen unemployment actually go up quite quietly i don't think people have noticed too much maybe those who have if anyone's lost their job that would not be included but i mean more broadly in the public eye unemployment over the last seven eight nine months has risen from three and a half percent to four percent that's a big increase in the unemployment rate what that means ultimately is we've now got um much more evenness in terms of the jobs on offer compared to people looking for work bargaining power now shifting away from people seeking work back to uh more towards uh firms as well that will have impacts further down the road um, even this year on wage negotiations and that's going to happen as inflation is falling because of uh, energy prices food prices etc so i think we are going to see a lot more progress on the uk labor market side uh, which is going to continue have the, to have those positive ripple effects over the next three or four months it's just going to come much later in the day than elsewhere brexit i think has been a part of this especially earlier on and there's going to be other impacts from Brexit as well in terms of trade etc but I think the biggest impact from the UK's perspective were the combinations of the fact that we were heavily exposed to European energy prices even though we actually imported very little from Russia but our prices were driven by European prices to the extent that US simply didn't experience nearly uh, as much of and also then we had the tight labour market we had the kind of uh, uh, and all of that which which, which kind of doubled down on those factors hopefully we are seeing those factors alleviate now and we'll start to see much better data positive ripple effects but as i say we're just coming much later in the day than what we're seeing everywhere else and you mentioned oil i wanted to ask uh, nick about that we've seen oil 
Uh, Brent crude hit 80 for the first time since April today. That That is because of optimism about the global economy, is it, uh, Nick? It, it is. And, and I want to uh, preface this. Uh, when it comes to the commodities world, there is a, a side story that, that I am lesser knowledgeable and I think that oil traders or investors should know about, which, uh, again, you can only focus on so many things. So I know with, with uh, audience members, you know, you might find certain parts of the podcast are more relatable to you. When I talk oil, there is another side story. We could talk about the Fed. We could talk about uh, economic outlook. But the other side of it is, of course, the supply and demand of oil, uh, you know, OPEC meetings and uh, what the Saudis are doing. That's something that, you know, admittedly, I don't focus heavily on. On myself. So I just want to say that first, but from the perspective of the commodity side, which is relatable to perhaps gold and silver as well, that general consensus, we're seeing some price appreciation in oil, gold, silver, those sorts of things off of the back of uh, what what Craig mentioned earlier, this actually looks like for the first time a pretty one directionally convincing um change in sentiment about forward projections for uh, inflation. We're seeing core crack. Uh, and to Johnny and Craig, both of you guys' point about uh, you know what happens with the US can ripple effect to other places. If you know we start to see a uniform uh, move in the direction back to to you know pre-pandemic eras where uh, you know inflation gets more under control and central banks can can get a hold of that, um, you're very likely to see uh, economies stabilize again, and again that brings back a demand to oil. So um, it's interesting. I, I will also admit, uh, you know, or point out one of my own ideas that was completely wrong a few months back. I was talking about gold. Thinking, uh, I think I was ahead of the time, or I was I was too early to this idea that you know monetary policy uh, globally kind of going in the the loosening direction. Uh, I thought earlier this year that perhaps that would cause a big driving force on gold. And while of course that is true, timing is difficult inherently in markets. And perhaps now later on we're starting to see that actually come into play. So again, I, I made these points earlier, uh, you know, several several months back about how gold, right around when the bank collapse stuff was happening, that that perhaps combined with monetary policy starting to loosen could be the driving force on gold. Well, we proceeded to see those bank situations kind of calm down. And now, though, I think we have to bring back that topic. Uh, I paused on that concept with gold. I thought I was completely, you know, uh, onto something then. I was clearly wrong about it. But now it does seem like we're resurfacing some of those positive things. If central banks are going to let off the gas for a little while or brakes, however you depend on uh, which way you want to call it. They're putting the brakes on, um, you know, economies. If they start easing off the brakes, uh, you know, it could cause a price appreciation in, in several commodities markets as, uh, you know, markets make a move. One thing to point out to on that topic, oil and silver, two of the more industrial focused uh, commodities, right? Silver up a lot today, outperforming gold. Uh, oil up a good bit today as well. These are the uh, commodities that, of course, are um, demanded by the machine of, of, you know, economically strong global outlook. So uh, very, very interesting stuff, I think, to, to look at the commodities in reaction to this, not just, of course, the indices and the currencies. The commodities tell a story as well. So uh, very interesting to see and, and do seem to be really liking what we uh, have gotten from the CPI report. And uh, back to, to Craig's idea, again, this seems like the first day in a while that we've had kind of a uniformly, um, you know, agreeing marketplace where uh, things are, are pretty, pretty much looking optimistic for now. So um, that's where I stand, I guess, with the commodities world. 
Yeah, we all love it when we get a confluence of indicators, right? When when things all point in the one direction, it makes our lives a little bit easier. Uh, I think I'm with you on gold, to be honest. I think it had a big correction towards $1,900. And I think today's report was the make or break of that. Was If we saw another nasty report, I think 1900 falls, but we didn't get that. I think the jobs report gave us a bit of both, gave us something to be hopeful about and something to be pessimistic about. Uh, so it didn't quite deliver it on either front. Uh, but t- I think today's inflation report is the game changer on that. And I think there is potential. Of course, we need the data to continue to confirm everything that we're thinking now and what we're starting to see more and more in the economic data. If you see more nasty reports and gold can quite easily turn south once more. But as you say, it's all a matter of timing. And if we can continue to see these supportive data points come out, then that should be beneficial for gold because now we'll be talking about the end of the tightening cycle and when a rate cut's going to come. And the closer inflation gets to that 2% level, the earlier we can start talking about interest rate cuts, especially if economies are stagnating, even going into recession later on this year. You'd think that would be a, a bullish factor potentially uh, for gold as well. On the oil market front, uh, as you've already alluded to, the economy is a, is a big positive. Uh, and I think the other thing that we can't ignore, and I'll be honest, uh, I was very sceptical about this two weeks ago, which is it seems that the Saudis have finally got their way. They announced the extension to their voluntary 1 million barrel a day cuts um i think it was last week early last week and on the same day russia announced that they would be exporting 500,000 barrels fewer a day uh for in august as well so that's effectively a 1.5% cut in august uh, compared to what was expected before that or at least confirmed before that i think the saudi extension was broadly expected but not confirmed and it's basically since then that the price has been trending higher. So at that point, it was trading around those range lows that it had been in over the course of the last three months. And then it started to go towards the range highs. And I think the game changer for me was when we were approached those highs. At one point, we did dip low, but momentum, those momentum indicators, which I really uh, use quite a lot on my charts. I use, I know a lot of people talk about the RSI. I'm, I'm more of a stochastic and MACD kind of guy. But while prices were starting to stumble at the range highs, the momentum indicators were still making higher highs. So that was what indicated to me that a breakout may possibly uh, be on the cards. And then we, next thing we know, we're kind of pushing back at those range highs again. And I think it actually broke above those levels. $77 was the initial test for Brent crude because the, the, the range had consolidated. It broke through there yesterday, maybe the day before. And this UC, UK, US CPI data has given it that extra energetic push again uh, today to break through $80 a barrel, where it is starting to stutter a bit. But I mean, it has been pretty a pretty solid run from around $72 through to $80. Um, so pretty significant move. We're looking at what, a 10% rally in, a, in, a, in the space of a couple of weeks. So we've got to bear that in mind. But it does seem that one of the things I was really skeptical about being those uh, cut extensions, maybe we are hitting that tipping point where the the market is balanced and these cuts are now going to start to have the teeth that uh, that some of the previous ones didn't necessarily have, especially if the economy is going to be more resilient uh, and we're going to see the soft landing that people have become fearful we were going to um, not not achieve. And Nick, I should ask you about the Bank of Canada, which has hiked uh, its rate as expected to five percent, but its forward guidance, which was more interesting. It says that it expects that inflation is going to be well above 2% until mid-2025, which is a bit more pessimistic than uh, we've just been talking about regarding the United States. 
Yeah, it was interesting. We've talked a lot on this podcast today about uh, the the price of oil, and I, and I always bring this up when we talk about um, Canada. You know, you know, inflation projections. If the economy uh, global outlook does start to improve, that could definitely have an impact on the Canadian inflation, right? Because if uh, if the oil market is booming again, you know, that's something else to consider. They raised rates as was expected, right? They went up to 5% from 4.75% uh, previously. Um, and we talked a lot today about uh, just forward projections for, uh, you know, central banks, not just, we've done this increasingly on the podcast for regular listeners, you know, we've talked more and more about, um, you know, central banks as a collective rather than just focusing so hard on Bank of England or Fed, we've talked about kind of the collective. And, and as we pointed out earlier, um, trends that are setting in other places like the US or uh, Europe, if those continue to develop, Canada will probably follow in, in some way or another. Um, again, raising rates, uh, you know, in other places kind of trailing the US in some ways. Uh, but again, probably still following the same course, the same trajectory uh, as the Fed. So I, I think um, in terms of the CAD, I, I noticed that the CAD did get a pretty good bid today. Uh, at least at the time of watching, I watched the uh, the the moment it came out. The dollar CAD, the poor dollar CAD uh, bulls out there today because it was down pretty big on the um, the CPI number, but then it just tanked again off of the uh, the the Bank of Canada's decision to raise rates. And of course, that would make sense based on what you said, Johnny. Forward projections for inflation staying high. Um, you know, you may see a little bit of a di- divergence for a bit from the Bank of Canada. Uh, to places like the Federal Reserve, which would explain, uh, or the U.S., uh, would explain kind of the divergence uh, in, in price action as well today. So uh, interesting to see. Again, um, definitely uh, an interesting currency pair and, and kind of fits into the story, I would say, with our overall central bank studies that we've been doing on the podcast recently. Very interesting, guys. Thank you very much uh, for joining the podcast today. And we'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.